Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, what is going on, you beautiful people? Welcome back to another episode of Transcending Explorations. Thank you for being here, for tuning in, for taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. It means the absolute world to me. I really hope that you guys love this show, that you enjoy it, and that you get a ton of value from these episodes and from the podcast in general. And if you do obtain or receive some value, then I invite you to engage in the value for value model by actualizing the value you perceived you received, whether that's in the form of money or your time and your talents or uh, investing in the companies that I'm affiliated with. There are so many different ways that you can choose to, if you like, support this show. So links will be in the description to all of those. So in today's episode, I had the opportunity to reconnect with Ben Calder. In our previous episode, we had Ben Calder on to explore spirituality and spiritual development from this integral approach, from this comprehensive, whole, and balanced approach. And like I mentioned in the previous episode introduction, uh, to for you guys to check out if you're interested Ken Wilber's work and specifically uh, the book that he co-authored uh, the integral life practice I'll put a link in the description it's a phenomenal book it's really like the basis uh, the kind of you know the bedrock slab of how I like to live my life is with this integral model and you can really apply it to anything and everything. It's really flexible, malleable, uh, and applicable, which is so incredible. So we applied uh, this integral model and framework and way of looking at things to health. Ben has a background as an integrative health practitioner, I believe is what you would call him, uh, an integral health practitioner, maybe. Nonetheless, he's incredibly holistic, incredibly comprehensive, inclusive, and transcendental as well with the way that he approaches health, which is what I find so beautiful and fascinating and amazing about where he comes from with his work. And so this was a really a health-centric exploration. We began with diving into Ben's morning and night routine and how he likes to structure his days based on his unique self, which led us off into some other areas I completely did not expect us to venture down. But we also talked about, um, you know, circadian cycles and 
the environment in which you encapsulate yourself in and the direction in which you sleep, getting into a bit of feng shui and the shape of the home that you encapsulate yourself in, the shape of the building and how that's going to influence you on all levels of your being. We also get into finding some sense and some understanding and some meaning around what health even is and also what is disease, what are illness, what are symptoms, why do these things manifest, are they random, do we manufacture them, you know, there's all these interesting questions around symptoms and illnesses and diseases that I think is definitely worth exploring and especially exploring the relationship of our mind and our health. And Ben says something so beautiful in this podcast that the body wears the shape that the mind creates. Mm, really think about that one. I really, really love the way he has phrased that. The mind, the body wears the shape the mind creates. So this, we get into a fascinating dialogue about perception and physiology and vice versa, how the external world is also informing our mind and how this interconnected relationship works. Really some fascinating stuff that we touch on within that Um so, yeah, obviously we get into a lot more within this, but that is a general overview of today's episode, really approaching health and wellness from this beautiful, integral perspective. And so with that said, I hope you guys enjoy this. I hope you love it. If you do, please take two minutes out of your day to leave a rating, a review, to hit that subscribe button and to share this around with a friend, a family member or chuck it up on social media. I love you guys immensely. Thank you for the support. Thank you for being here and enjoy this transcendent exploration with Ben Calder. Ben Calder, welcome back yet again to Transcending Explorations, mate. It's so good to connect with you again within this very quick week. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Lachlan. It's it's beautiful to be back. The last conversation was uh, was so rich and so enjoyable. It, it's great to to come back in and continue with that. Thank you. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's a it's a pleasure. So, just being the curious person I am, seeing it's it's morning here and it's nighttime over there, I'm big on like morning routines and night routines and really kind of structuring my day. I'm just curious, is that something that you um, incorporate into your day, having a morning routine and a night routine? I mean, I think whether we believe it or not, everybody does. It just depends on what you want to define into that. Yeah. And, and I think... I think before I kind of give give details away, it's also something that in true integral life practice format gets scaled depending on what's going on. So so nothing is completely fixed. Uh, for me, I, I find that being overly rigid about any one particular practice uh, at times can then be detrimental. So I, I tend to have a fairly fluid response to that. But, but certainly... Uh, I, I like to try and have two periods of meditation in a day. 
uh, I would say as kind of rituals, so preferably one in the morning and preferably one in the evening. Uh, and I, I tend to do different types of meditation uh, at the start of the day. So uh, I'll, I'll tend to do what I would class as a more mind engaged meditation at the beginning of a day. So I might use a mantra or a Kriya or something to focus on that's kind of sharpening my mind as I'm coming out of, of, of the sleep state. Uh, and then in the evening, in contrary, that's when I tend to prefer uh, the Zen style Shikantaza, just sitting, essentially just letting everything dissolve back into nothingness. Mm. So it's kind of like the morning brings that kind of focus in and the evening just allows it all to dissolve, which thankfully then leads to a really beautiful sleep. Uh, yeah. And so I'll, I'll tend to do, do a bit of meditation. And then depending on, on what my, my day involves, uh, you know, I consider it a cornerstone of my day to have a great breakfast. Uh, you know, having worked in, in kind of nutritional circles and, and the epigenetic work that I do for so many years now, I, I understand my requirements as a body. So, you know, uh, if, if you know, I like using car metaphors quite a lot with bodies as well. If you know your car takes longer to warm up in the morning or it requires a particular thing to get the best out of it, then it's important to do that. And I know for myself, it's, it's really important for me to have a good breakfast. I, I really find it helps to set my metabolism up and, and, and again, just my energy levels to be able to do what I want. Uh, but depending on, on how, how strong my day is and what I need to do, I also like to do Life Force Qigong. So it's my main movement practice, a system that's developed by my brother, Sai Calder, who uh, for many, many years studying out in Asia uh, with many amazing teachers. And he's, he's distilled this beautiful Qigong practice together in a number of levels, looking at a number of different things. And so I love to engage in Life Force Qigong practice uh, and again, depending on how my day goes, if I need to eat earlier because of work or other things, then I'll tend to find time a little bit later in the day to do the practice. And, and then I like to, to be honest, I like to try and get as much of my work done as early in the day as possible. Um, I, I'm not always, you know, just because of the way I am as an individual, I'm not always the very best in the mornings. Mm -hmm. So I find that once I've kind of got going, if I can get my heavy bulk of the work done, anything that I really need to use my mind for and focus in, if I can do that earlier in the day, that's better. And then later on in the day, I'll tend to look at other physical activities. So maybe going walking and we've got beautiful hills around where I live here uh, or climbing or doing some other kind of physical practice for myself. Uh, and then also that's where my other leisure activities will tend to kind of slide in so I like to play the guitar and listen to music so you know I'll, I'll look for that and then as much as possible I try and make the evenings as calm as possible so I'm quite strict for the most part um, you know I, I don't tend to use technology after 7pm at night so um, uh, mainly because I'm looking to really scale down the stimulation in my system as we go into the evening. And certainly here in the UK, as the light levels drop down as well, I don't really want to be engaging in anything that's going to stimulate blue light within my, my system. Um, and, you know, even uh, in our house here in the evenings, we'll tend to use things like salt lamps and, and low level lighting uh, in the in our living room, in our kind of our main hangout space, rather than any kind of brighter light. So, again, we're, we're schooling those uh 
pineal glands to just recognize that we're going into darkness. It really supports hormonal balance in the body. Uh, and again, in the mornings, I look for the light as soon as I can. So typically we, you know, we don't close our curtains here in the house so that the morning light is being activated through our systems mm. as well. Um, you know, so, so that, that tends to give you an idea of a day in a rough way. Yeah, I love that. And so there's so many good insights into that. Obviously, you know, the first one kind of you touching on like the uniqueness of un really understanding who you are so you can uh, create your day according to your uniqueness. Whether And you could look at this from an Ayurvedic perspective and a Chinese medicine perspective based on your elemental makeup. You know, if you're a kapha, oh. pizza or vata. Right. I'm a pizza. I'm very fiery. I like to get up and move straight away. I like to get into a gross physical exercise and then get into my Qigong meditation. But that's just based on my unique self. And I also love what you said about being in basically being in harmony with the environment, these light and dark cycles, these, you know, these circadian cycles, I think. And, you know, you could probably speak to this. Do you find this to be a, a big like wrench that people throw into their like their their circadian cycles to just kind of ruin it ultimately with the blue light and the tech and like is this a big thing you deal with with people absolutely and i think the reason is is that it's only in the last i mean really the last hundred years but definitely the last 20 to 30 years that we've even had to consider this uh, you know, I mean, you could maybe say that since uh, the Second World War, the way that industry and, and certainly business and commerce have moved, you know, working hours have changed in a lot of ways. But we kind of forget how connected to nature we ought to be. Mm -hmm. And we've moved into these cycles where 24 seven, we can practically do anything we want. I mean, I don't know what it's like for where you are, but I can be five minutes away from my house and I can go to a 24 hour store and get things anytime I need pretty much every day of the week. Yeah. And there's enough lighting on that. I really don't have to be concerned about the dark and so on. And, and there's absolutely no doubt that our brains uh, are so, you know, we're solar beings. We're so fueled in, in light that I, I think a lot of the crises we're seeing in health are supported by the fact that most people or a lot of people spend a, a significant amount of more time indoors. They spend a significant amount more time sat down and they spend a significant amount more time using devices that are acknowledged as remote behavior modification. They're there to kind of entrance us into uh, their use. And so we're stimulated in completely different ways. Whereas, you know, I mean, we, we have a camper van here and we like to, to take it away. Uh, and so, you know, we just don't have those aspects. And we find that, you know, as it's getting dark, we've had our dinner, maybe we've had a fire, but our bodies become much more tired and much more ready for rest. Uh, you know, if we looked at our clock, it wouldn't be the same as if we were, were doing it uh, at home. Uh, and, and the same with waking up, you know, this is why I like waking up with the sunlight as much as, uh, as our country allows, yeah. uh, because it, it has that big impact on my health. And, you know, I've been a very, very good sleeper for decades now, because I've, I've looked at what me as an organism really needs, which is, is nothing about humanness. And it is really about being a mammal, being an organism at, at that kind of level. 
Yeah, exactly. I always think, you know, if you had, if you put a, a regular modern human being in this like modern world back into nature, they would naturally breathe through their nose. They would like naturally drink high quality water. They would be in sync in, with their circadian rhythm. So therefore they're going to sleep well. And all these so-called diseases, symptoms, and illnesses would somewhat just disappear. Cause ultimately I think these are all just messages trying to tell us to come back to that natural, authentic state of being. And I want to kind of get into what even is disease, like how you perceive what this process, this manifestation is. But I just want to make a couple of comments on what we're talking about here with the environment, because I really think we're deficient in darkness. Like if you yeah. look at the planet from the International Space Station, the planet's lit up like a fucking Christmas tree. Like it's Absolutely. constantly lit up. And then from a world centric view, you got to think about the bees and the insects and the animals that are not actually getting their sleep. And obviously we need the plants and the trees to, to live. And they're wow. also being dramatically influenced from these, from these light cycles. I also think, cause I, I see the circadian rhythm as like the orchestra for our body symphony. So it's, and I almost think like, the sun's inside of us, you know, so we're, we're not like connecting with it on the outside. It's still moving within us in that cycle, but we need to be in congruence with it. Does that make Absolutely. sense? Absolutely. Well, that, that's the whole nature behind the horror recycle within uh, Chinese meridian theories in the fact that every meridian is rushing or dominant for two hours a day. And that's based on how the sun is moving. Essentially, the sun is an enormous magnetron running around uh, a magnetized core of our planet. So it's constantly charging. And this is why we can end up with jet lag when we travel, and especially when we're flying east. And so we're going against the path of the sun. That magnetic stimulation within our systems becomes disturbed. And so we end up with something that's out of sync until we essentially get three to five solar circles going back on again. Uh, and so that magnetron then recharges the pathways and we get over our jet lag. And within kinesiology in that main body of work that I do, but also within uh, meridian work and energy work through Qigong, there are ways of actually accelerating that, of stimulating those meridian pathways so they catch up much more quickly. And, and in my kind of, of trips, both east and west within the world, I've always used these uh, methods and I just don't get jet lag. And, you know, I've handed them to many of my clients and they all report a reduction in jet lag within the system because they understand why they were having it in the first place. Wow. So I guess that could also be scaled down to a micro level because people are like socially jet lagged. And I guess, yeah. again, just because they're not in tune in the way that we're talking about. Yeah, sure. I, I wonder just because you mentioned kind of that like magnetic kind of aspect. Are you looking at the direction in which you sleep kind of from a feng shui perspective and how we are a microcosm of the earth? So, you know, like two magnetic poles, if you have a positive and a positive, they're, they're going to repel. So I wonder if that's something you're looking at too. Yeah, well, I, I tell you, in, in the last 19 years, I've experimented with more things than I can remember in terms <laughs> of that. But I... I there is definitely qualities within that that are relevant and important and the concepts are important to understand. Uh, and again, like integral theory in a lot of ways, we're looking at a map, but the territory itself is then unique to the location. 
And what I what I typically find, although there are some directions that I think I might be better off in, and that there are certainly experiences I've had where I've experimented with that, and it's been incredibly useful. I also think it's because the actual space that I'm in has allowed for that, because there's been a few places where I've I've you know because essentially in feng shui you come down to the idea of being an easting or a westing so there are there are a set of particular directions that will work for you and, and the ones that don't and there have been times when i've tried to force that into a space and the space itself wasn't in the right shape for that so actually the energetic of the box that i'm in the room that i'm in the building that i'm in actually creates a uh, a dissonance rather than a coherence when you come into that space. So you also have to take into account the actual space that you're in when you're applying that yeah. and what that allows for and the energies of that within itself. Because it may be that there are other uh, natural energy pathways uh, that are running through that space that if you then cut across them because you think that your head ought to be that way, you actually create more dissonance than you do coherence. So, you know, you always have to kind of adjust for what the situation is at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. There's so much more to be thinking about. Yeah. Also, yeah, not only the space that you're in, but like what's going on underneath the ground with these energy channels uh, that yeah. are, that are running through, but you know, that's what an integral mind incorporates, of course. Exactly. And the, even the building materials, you know, yes. are you in a wooden place, yeah. a cement place? Is it made of hempcrete? Is it uh, in a tower block? Uh, what's it surrounded by? Uh, I mean, my, my partner and I were, were lucky enough uh, a couple of weeks back to uh, take a trip down to Wiltshire, which is one of the, the counties uh, further down in England. Uh, and it's the home of Stonehenge and Avebury and a lot of the old megalithic sites. And we ended up on uh, staying in a, an Airbnb in a village that was on a ley line between Avebury and Stonehenge. And we didn't know it when we booked the place. But when we were staying in that place, you could feel like it was a really old village as well. You know, thatched cottages, you know, quintessential kind of British uh, space. And you could really feel the energies running in the village. And they deliberately created movements in the roads to try and deal with some of that standing stone in the middle of the village right next to the church as well. So there was a lot of potency in there. And so depending on you know, the land, the buildings, the materials, all of these factors can, can influence the experience. And, and I think it's really important with all kind of integral life practice stuff that, again, attachment is the cause of suffering, if we go back to the, the beautiful uh, Buddhist idea. And so if, if we say that we must do a thing in a certain way, otherwise we're not all right, then we've already lost our referent. We're, we're not actually relating to the present moment of what we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. We're actually basing it on something that's the past and using it as a control strategy. So it's much better to stand in a place, tune in and work out what I need, what it needs, you know, what the, what we need looking at those kind of three basic spheres uh, to, to be in the best harmony and the best kind of coherence and resonance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I find that, 
I just find it fascinating. One, yeah, that we're, we are open-ended systems interacting with other open-ended systems, that being your home, obviously the buildings and the tree, like everything is an open-ended system. And I do think, you know, health could be kind of defined as that ability to adapt to any given situation or environment. But I, I have to make one more comment before we actually get into what health is and <laughs> disease, because, you know, this is just fascinating because I, I just find it so interesting how the shape of the buildings that we encapsulate ourselves in can dramatically influence us. I know uh, oh. Dr. Ibrahim Karim from Biogeometry. I don't know if you're aware of him, but, you know, he's highlighted this massively, especially with square linear school buildings and kids having more anxiety more stress yeah. and actually being pushed even more into the left side of their brain being less artistic yeah. and and creative and then just another comment i wanted to make on top of this is you probably take this perspective too but from a health perspective you know your home is an extension of your body it's just yeah. like a, 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 literally an extension so it's also going to be giving you clues about what's going on inside, but any, any thoughts on uh, those? Yeah, of course. I mean, there are some actually, there's been some beautiful experiments with uh, the geometry of uh, plant beds. So making them in, in different geometric shapes and mm. how that affects growth cycles, because again, they're holding energetic qualities and a really easy experience for anyone to do is if you get yourself some big pieces of paper and draw squares, triangles, circles, uh, you know, hexagons, octagons, different shapes on them, cut them out and then stand on them and move from one to the other and then just tune in and you'll get a direct variance and experience with each one if you've got that sensitivity. So, so it definitely has that kind of uh, impact and, and definitely in, in the way we kind of learn and the way we relate to the world, shape and pattern is massively important. Uh, you know, I, I often use the phrase that the, the body wears the shape that the mind creates mm. and the house in itself, the space that we reside in is exactly that. And that's also why sometimes we get really resistant to making changes, because if we change our personal environment around, it will create a different mindset. And there are other times once you've done that, that the space feels totally different. It can become super inspiring for us. You know, when we've, I'm a, I'm a big one for keeping the clutter clear as much as possible, keeping things tidy, keeping things in order. I think that has great value in our, our health and well being, not letting stagnancy accumulate. And so when we can kind of regulate our environment, and, and I'm really lucky, my partner is an interior designer and a house refurbisher. Uh, and so she, she has courage in a way that I find inspiring to just go, let's change this around like this. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't intimidate her at all to create total chaos in a space because she can already see the coherence that will return. And, uh, and I, I really, really admire that in her. And, uh, and so it, it's interesting to do that, you know, move your bed around, move your stuff around, get rid of the, the things you're hanging on to that you haven't touched in a year, two years, three years, ask yourself what the anchor is, why you're really still attached to it and find a way to let it go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I find myself doing that quite often, you know, actually like really just constantly moving things around. And, you know, I find that's, a, that's an indication or a manifestation of a pattern change going on inside of myself. So anytime I find myself 
like, oh, I need to move this around or I need to remove things. I need to throw things out. Like it's, there's too much in here. I, I recognize that, oh, I'm changing something inside of myself or as, as well. I'm just going to close my curtains because it's a daytime disco going on in my camera. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I noticed the, uh, the flash there. I wondered uh, what the disco was. Now it's going to be too dark. <laughs> oh, is that better? Yeah. That's like cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I want to move into talking, really just getting some, some sense uh, and, and some meaning and some understanding um, from your perspective of what health is, you know, it's this word that's, that's kind of thrown around a lot. There's obviously a whole field and everything around it. I guess the general consensus is health is simply the absence of disease. Um, but yeah, how do you view it and perceive it? Like what is the meaning of health to you? Sure. I mean, unsurprisingly, that's going to operate on a number of different levels. For me. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and I think perhaps one of the most fundamental and one of the most useful for me is looking at the coherence within my system or, or somebody's uh, bioenergetic system uh, and looking at that again from, uh, you know, body, mind, spirit and self-culture and nature and in a true kind of integral style. But is there dissonance taking place and, and is that creating harm within, within a space? So it, because, uh, you know, we have this concept that stress is a bad thing, but, but there's a difference between distress, which is uh, destructive, and eustress, which is actually stimulating, encouraging and positive. So, so we, we need a certain amount of stress to be able to motivate us and, and encourage us and help us along. But, and I think one of the, the best ways to kind of understand some aspects of health uh, through the, the idea that everything in the right proportions is a medicine and in the wrong proportions is a poison. So, and you can again, take that in, in body, mind, spirit, relationships, environment, however you like. You know, I, I prefer to live in the country and go to visit the city. Um, you know, that works better for me because I find that stimulating, interesting, mm -hmm. useful. But I know if I lived in the city, it wouldn't be good for me and I would struggle to get out of the country. So it, it's finding that kind of balance. And I, I guess health is you being able to do the things that you really want to do that are joyful, beneficial, constructive, and add value into the world where you're not just surviving, you're not just managing to get through, but you're actually thriving. And, you know, when we look at the world, really, it, if we ignore the kind of the 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 less positive side of human beings but look at other biological systems the majority of them are about cooperation they're about working together essentially to to be healthy uh, and to survive and to thrive and, and and to kind of go forth and multiply if you like so so finding the coherence that allows that and, and in the, the sense of my brother Sai's work in Life Force Qigong, it's also about being able to hold our own center mm. and be in that space of constant adaptation. So, you know, it's, it's one thing to say that wearing, you know, in this case, my, my body warmer keeps my body warm. But if I'm wearing it in 30 degree heat and I'm sweating and dehydrating myself, it's unhealthy. 
So it's about being able to adapt to what the circumstance is, holding a degree of neutrality um, and, and being able to hold one's own centre, whatever the situation is, and then being able to choose in a healthy manner. So that, again, around this kind of whatever is unique in any situation that you're in, rather than sticking with rules that are fixed, I can or I must do this and I can't or I mustn't do that. You have to look at what is right for the situation. Where am I in flow with the situation that I'm in? Because if I'm in flow, then all matter is energy anyway. Everything is energy anyway. So all I'm doing is flowing with the nature of the energy rather than, you know, you, you can look at it um, from a simple red light, green light point of view. It, is the red light stopping me? Is it heavy? Is it contractive? Is it feeling like it's the wrong direction for me? Or do I get that green light of go, of flow, of expansion, mm. of opening, of being something that nourishes me on, on maybe multiple levels, but on whatever level it feels like it nourishes me? And, and being able to follow those green lights moment to moment through your life as they are supporting you and, and i find they lead to the best experiences in our life yeah that's that's beautiful and i really love that red light green light yeah that's it, it sounds very similar to you know my good friend marcus's follow the energy so he has this follow the energy and i get a visualization almost like there's this literally this energetic line coming from the center of me that's connected to like where I really need to go. It's just like recognizing and, and follow that energy. And then, yeah, also use the red light, green lights. That's great. Um, I want to throw out a couple definitions of health. So I think health encompasses disease and non-disease. And it's almost like a container that allows for the this week equilibrium and then equilibrium. And I think health is that coming out of balance and then coming back into a greater pattern or a greater level of organization. So we know evolution thrives on tension and disequilibrium. So I think from that one definition that health encompasses both non-disease and disease, you know, non-disease plus disease equals health and disease plus non-disease equals uh, health. Another way I think of framing that is to, share that um, health is basically consciousness expansion in action. And I think, again, it's that disequilibrium. And as you know, we're constantly finding a, a greater balance. And then one more that I, this was like the first ever de definition that I came up with for health. And I, I still think it's a pretty good analogy. I think of health as like the soil for a human being and kind of the soil and the environment. So obviously that you need good, high quality soil in the right environment to get a tree and a plant that grows fruit and flourishes and flowers. But if you have poor quality soil, you minimize the ability for that plant or, you know, you might actually get a weed, but that plant to grow to its maximum capacity. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I think you've, you've got some beautiful points in there. One of the things I would reflect back on that as well, especially around your kind of uh, disease and non-disease all being part of health. How do we know what coherence is unless we feel dissonance? How do we know what to equalize unless something is unequal? So, you know, to be able to find those spaces within ourselves, 
we we have to know where the edge is there there has to be a sense of there's something that feels contrary that i now need to adjust towards because otherwise we're just floating in a state of either non-awareness or bliss you know everything's perfect so we don't have to adjust everything or i'm i, I have no awareness of anything so anything could destroy me and i know nothing about it um, and, and one of the things that uh, from one of my early kinesiology tutors, we used to talk about the fact that living biological systems, they have a, a natural propensity to move towards entropy, to essentially break down into chaos unless fresh energy is added to bring order and, and finding out a what's going to send us down into chaos. You know, if I stop breathing, I'll degenerate into chaos pretty quickly. If I don't take on fluids, I'll degenerate into chaos and so on. Uh, but working out what the refinements of those are at different levels, even down to if I don't have enough of the right types of relationships, I will, you know, kind of uh, degrade down into chaos again. So I, I think that's quite a, an important aspect of it uh, as well. Um, and then there was one more thing, but it's just jumped out of my head for a second. Um, but we'll come back to that maybe. Let's see if yeah, it pops up. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to to make a comment on you know that just that um that space between disequilibrium and equilibrium. You know, maximum growth uh, occurs on the edge of support and challenge of order and chaos. So to some degree, you know, like the disease, however it manifests it doesn't really care about you. It's just about the evolution of consciousness. Yeah, sure. You know, sure. so it's just going to happen regardless whether you care about it or not. Yeah. And the, and the yes and no. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because we, we certainly, you know, yes, except in all the places where it doesn't, um, you know, there, there, there's a good case for how we construct our reality having quite a direct impact on whether or not disease shows up and how it shows up. Mm. And in fact, th this brings me back to the point that I, I almost didn't remember, but, but comes back to the nature of the fertility of the soil. Uh, and again, it, it's interesting that to a degree we have judgment around that because what are we talking about the soil being fertile for? And uh, in very great case of point for our, our current uh corona experience in the world at the moment uh, on his deathbed uh, not a lot of people know that louis pasteur the, uh, the the discoverer of pasteurization recanted his belief and he said uh, and he referred to another scientist who'd come up with the concept of terrain theory and and he said it's not the bacterium that's the problem it's the environment it lives in you know and and that's exactly the point so if I am fertile for a particular condition to arise, then it can do. Mm. If I'm not, then it can't. So, for instance, if I, I'm going to become a good fighter, for example, then the soil that's going to be fertile is to be in a situation where I can practice conflict, whatever that is. If I'm going to be fertile at peace, I need to be in a situation where I can engage with that. So the soil will become fertile for the thing that it's fertile for. And, and that as well is a case of awareness, uh, because as you know, if we come back to the idea that anything in the right proportion is a medicine or the wrong proportion is a poison, it just depends what you're trying to create. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's well said. So I did, um, I did mention disease, um, what do you view disease as you know it's obviously taught to us as ultimately at least to me what 
I was originally taught uh, about disease as was it's something that is external coming to attack you. But obviously yeah. my <laughs> views have shifted massively now, uh, but I would yeah. love to hear kind of your perspective, I guess around two kind of things, uh, the symptom illnesses and disease, and then the healing process. Like what, what, what does even that mean as well? Yeah. Again, I think it depends on whose p- perspective you want to look at it from. Because, for example, if I get, let's say, a bacterial infection or I develop cancer, then, you know, that's perfect for the bacteria or for the cancer. You know, they're, they're in a greater state of coherence. Their health is increasing. So, you know, whose disease are we really talking about? Mm. Um, if I'm just looking at me as, my identif- as I identify myself, then again, it, it's about whether or not I'm able to do the things that I would like to do. Uh, and when I, I can't, you know, that is a state of dis-ease. Mm. There, there is a limitation, there's a restriction that's taking place. And we could look at it from a, a physical disease, a mental disease, an emotional disease, a spiritual disease. Where is it that that limitation is created? And then what do I need to do to allow myself to come back to a space of ease and joy uh, and something that, again, it is following that green light, following the flow. So I guess disease in a lot of ways the thing that identifies uh, as being in disease is out of flow. Mm. Yeah, I, I, that's such a good way to think about it because it's not compartmentalized. Like it's not just like these separate things that are all influencing me. It's just I'm not in congruence with the song. Like, you know, I'm currently yeah. playing the song a little bit out of tune or or something is distracting me or interacting with me in the environment causing me to uh, lose my my groove um exactly we, we are in response you know from uh, from marshall rosenberg's nonviolent communication from the point of view there's always the space between the stimulus whatever that is externally and our response so in some way disease is our response to a stimuli and that's why, and, and my, my joke for 20 years now at this time of year, you know, I say to clients, why does only half the office get the Christmas cold? You know, why, why do we only end up with some people being in that state of disease? Because their environments are fertile for it. You know, they're, they're harbingers of that space. Whereas those who stay well, the way they engage with life is a different coherence. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really love that. I, you know, I also, I, cause obviously there's so many different perspectives that we can take on these, any one topics that we're talking about, but I have, I now take at least one perspective that disease almost seems like the facilitator to help us go from one pattern to a next higher level of pattern. So it's kind of the thing that kicks us off balance to go into this equilibrium, to play around in the, the chaos realm and learn our stuff. And then once we learn the lesson, we come back and, you know, all of a sudden we've acquired skills and higher awareness and, you know, we're at this new higher pattern of organization. And I just think with that perspective, it's you're embracing it now. It's almost like a, it's, it's a gift. It's like, thank you, this ease for coming into my life, for assisting me to evolve and to grow. I mean, I, I think I think you're right in that, but I think there's there's other aspects to that story as well. 
And, and if you look at, again into some of the five element theory and some of the, the Chinese energy theories, the, the universe gives us a spark of life. You know, that, that's why we can't just put all the components of a body in a jar and we have life. You know, we, we need something to animate us. Our, uh, you know, our yuan chi, our original energy that comes into our body. Uh, and that's stored in this central channel in the body in Chiang Mai. And it's our potential. It's the universe offering us an option, a possibility of what we can explore through this vessel in this life. But the universe is also dispassionate about that. Because, you know, on a time scale, we're nothing to it. So if you don't do it, it'll just take it back and it'll pass it on somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So as much as I think that disease has the option to be that motivator for us, it's also totally dispassionate about that in the fact that it's either going to take us down into chaos and into entropy and we're going to dissolve back into the cosmic soup. And that's perfectly fine. It doesn't actually matter or we can use it as a signal, as a reference, as a catalyst for change. But whether we do or we don't, we don't need to judge that. It's not important. It's just there as a choice. Yeah, thank you for balancing me and providing the opposing side to that, that story. No, because that's, that's so much more humbling, you know, in the, when you really balance it and see it from, from both sides. Um, yeah, I mean, there's the aspect that it's, either gifting us it for a beneficial reason or it's discompassionately gifting us it still uh, because again there's no, no judgment but then I think there's also the component that we as individuals manufacture our own potential diseases through our choices and decisions and the way as open-ended systems that we interact with the environment. Uh, absolutely. Because otherwise we become too egocentric about it. Uh, you know, we, we, we become the center of the universe. And as much as we are our own center within the, the universe, the idea of Foucault's pendulum, we are also not, you know, we're not the only thing there. There is a multitude and in fact, an infinite expression of possibilities. And we are only one possibility. So whether we do or we don't is immaterial rather, but the, the option is there. And if we do, and if we're in coherence and we're in flow and we're following those green lights, then we have the, the possibility of experiencing something incredible within our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Do you work with, um, I mean, do you have a common theme with the people that you work with? Is there a reoccurring theme that shows up a pattern or is it very unique and individual? I mean, at the, the kind of the biggest level, they all know that something ain't right and <laughs> they want to change it. So, so that's the theme and, and they are on their journey and whether they have acknowledged it as a journey or not, they are experiencing themselves in this journey and they know that there is something that doesn't feel right. Whether or not they only identify with that at a physical level, I have pain, my digestion doesn't work, my hormones are out of balance, whether or not they're coming at it from a mental emotional level, whether they're coming at it from a spiritual level or a combination of those, they just know that something isn't right. And they're in a quest to seek that 
harmonization and that balance within themselves, which for some of them has come because they've been down a mainstream medical route and it hasn't resolved for them. For others, they're working at a much more kind of spiritual level or a much more personal development, personal journey level. And, and they just want, they want someone to journey with them. They want some support and some orientation within the journey that shines a spotlight on something that they know they need to look at, but they don't know where to shine the spotlight. Mm. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Do you um do you work with have you I mean have you do you work with or have you ever worked with anyone where you found kind of the root manifestation of whatever their symptom, illness, or disease was kind of within the shadow? You know, I find this so fascinating how our shadow material, when accumulated enough, will begin to manifest as uh, diseases or symptoms or, or illness. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there, there's absolutely no doubt about it. Uh, and an aspect of that could also be put into, uh, you know, shadow in a sense is a very specific set of aspects within ourselves. And I would say that for a lot of people, it's also just in unconsciousness. So it's just something that for whatever reason, they haven't been able to observe. And shadow is certainly part of that. Sometimes it's trauma that people have compartmentalized and put away and haven't had the right environment to be able to process those shocks at earlier periods so that they can fully integrate them. And, and in essence, a lot of it is about things that are then unintegrated with us. So, but definitely shadow is a, a key component of that. Uh, and, and, you know, I've had a, a number of clients over the years who essentially have hit that dark night of the soul and they're, they're lost. You know, they go into that existential crisis and they're lost and they don't know how to move forward. And, and again, that, that's why I use that analogy of shining the spotlight on the things that they don't see. So it's giving them that information to be able to consider more than they already knew. We, as, as we spoke about, I think, in the last session about ladder climber view and just how as we're moving up through aspects of our awareness, we can see more and we'll transcend and include those previous stages while gaining a new, broader perspective. But that comes with its own issues as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just find it so incredibly fascinating, the, the consciousness kind of behind the manifestations of specific like even and even the location that the disease what we're calling a disease um arises within the body like you know people that um have like eyesight problems it's like an internal issue of not looking at something within themselves mm -hmm. or developing you know tumors on the breast from a perception of like a, a sexual experience like mm -hmm. to me it's so incredible how our perception and like physiology is like instantaneously hardwired into each other it's like in real time the structure yeah. of our cells and even the, the the geometry of our blood and like the structure of our water is like all instantaneously reacting and changing as we're filtering and perceiving these uh, these events and then obviously based on the meaning and interpretation that we give it will kind of almost like solidify how the body like crystallizes from how we've like that's ended the experience if that makes yeah. sense 
<laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think it's important as well to recognise that, that it's a two-directional street. If we take those basic aspects within uh, the quadrant theory and integral of subjective and objective, you know, and, and remember for anybody that maybe hasn't come across this, the subjective is the stuff that doesn't have a location in time and space. Okay, so our mind and our culture exist in there. And then the objective is the stuff that does have a location in time and space. It's our body and it's our environment. So the traffic is two-way. So if I create a, a mental image or a thought or a concept or a belief around a thing, my body will wear that shape. There will be a corollary. Uh, yes. So if I contract yeah. around an idea, then my body as the, as the objective side of my subjective mind will also create a contraction. And depending on how the nervous system is rigged for that will depend where in my body that contraction takes place. And if I can't release the mind, then it will be difficult to release the body. Mm. Although sometimes, as in uh, with good uh, integrative body work, if you can release the body, sometimes that's the catalyst to release the mind. But then you also have the aspect that let's say I uh, bump into something or I stub my toe or I get hit or I cut myself. I will, you know, the, the physical had the issue and then my mind will create a belief, an idea, a thought around that physical impact. So it comes from both directions and it just depends on each circumstance, you know, which way that has occurred first. Yeah, absolutely. That just makes so much sense. <laughs> I connected a lot of dots. Actually, the, I think, and the way that I interpret it was, uh, I'm sure you're aware of David Bohm, the quantum mm -hmm. physicist. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's almost like the subjective kind of mind and part of us is like the implicate order. And then the body and the objective part is the ex explicate order. So there's an underlying pattern. And then you have that manifestation of that being our body. And I guess the other image that comes up is maybe from only half of the picture would be like cymatics, very similar yeah. in like, you know, the frequency creating that, that manifestation. So our thoughts, con constructs, ideas, creating that framework and then that manifesting yeah, in our body. And that comes straight back again to this coherence of dissonance. When we're listening to music that we love, you know, we feel good. We want to move. Our yeah. body feels alive. Everything is perfect. If somebody puts on something that we don't like, oh, contractive, body feels heavy, awkward. So again, we're, we're always in this stimulus and response kind of space that there is a stimulus coming from somewhere. And then that choice of how we respond, which is why for me, health is that ability to be able to come back to neutral, come back to center, dissolve whatever it is that's going on and, and be in your own healthy space. Yeah, that's, yeah, I so resonate with that. That's the kind of song that I'm dancing to with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, ben, uh, you know, I, I kind of wanted to uh, get into some other stuff, but just based on time, yeah, I will hold them out and probably invite you again back on in the future um i would i would love to i'd love to get into more the the nutrition and like exercise yeah. and kind of get into more more stuff from that integral perspective but that's a whole nother podcast but i'm so glad that we could kind of cover oh, yeah. the the foundation of like what is health and the healing process and disease i think that's 
so important for people to have an understanding around, obviously due to how mainstream has completely <laughs> distorted that and everything else and taken advantage of that. So uh, where can people connect with you if they haven't listened to the first one and they're just tuning into this one, um, yeah. your website and everything like that? Absolutely. So very simple website is bencolder.co.uk and that's C-A-L-D-E-R for my surname. So bencolder.co.uk. You can also find me on Instagram at Benji Calder and you can find me on Facebook, Ben Calder Integral Health. So nice, easy stuff to get. And I would be more than honored to come back and speak with you for a third part, looking (laughs) at some of these other aspects, because uh, as you can see, there's just so much cool shit to talk about. uh, And it's always a pleasure to come and speak with you, Lachlan. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I so look forward to these conversations. Obviously, as I've told you pre-podcast, I just find this integral model so nourishing like on 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 a really deep level and i just want to share this with people because there's so much within it of that's valuable and that people can integrate into their life so whole lot of love for you ben and yeah we will connect soon (laughs) you too lachlan thank you so much really appreciate it Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.